You're listening to a sermon podcast from Agape Baptist Church, recorded live from our Sunday service. Good morning, Agape Baptist Church. The Bible reading today is taken from the book of Judges, chapter 15, verses 9 to 20. Then the Philistines came up and encamped in Judah and made a raid on Lehi. And the men of Judah said, why have you come up against us? They said, we have come up to bind Samson to do to him as he did to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Etam and said to Samson, do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is this that you have done to us? And he said to them, as they did to me, so have I done to them. And they said to him, we have come down to bind you that we may give you into the hands of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not attack me yourselves. They said to him, No, we will only bind you and give you into their hands. We will surely not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire, and his bones melted off his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and put out of his hand, and took it, and with it he struck one thousand men. And Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey have I struck down a thousand men. As soon as he had finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone out of his hand. And that place was called Ramath Lehi. And he was very thirsty. And he called upon the Lord and said, You have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant. And shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? And God split open the hollow that is at Lehi. And water came out from it. And when he drank it, his spirit returned. And he revived. Therefore the name of it was called En Hakor. It is at Lehi to this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. The Lord bless you. Now, uh, if you are uh, tuning in for the first time or second time or third time, uh, the key thing is that you are new among us and uh, nobody... You don't know anyone at church, and we don't know you, okay? So if that's you, I want to invite you to scan this uh, uh, QR code, uh, fill out a simple form, and uh, you, can, you will get a free book, uh, and more importantly, that uh, we can get to know you, okay? Yep, so um, now today's uh, sermon, I just want to begin with a simple question. Um, do you feel powerful, or do you feel powerless today? Right? Powerful or powerless today? And I'm sure very few of us will want to choose to be powerless. Uh, but the truth is uh, that we are more powerless than we think. Just look at the pandemic. Uh, it is totally out of control uh, from our hands. And uh, some of us haven't even seen our family and friends that are outside of Singapore uh, for quite a long time. And, um, you know, the, the last time I saw my uh, granddaughter uh, in the U.S., she was only a tiny 
baby at one month old baby. Um, and uh, that was 19 months ago. Now I see her on video and she calls me Gong Gong and uh, she's really quite, quite a cute little girl. I really want to hug her and play with her. We just can't do it. Uh, but I'm sure that many of us are in such a situation, family, parents, uh, and so forth. And uh, some of us wish for things to return to normal, and we don't know when that will happen or if that will happen. And uh, now as for me, once in a while, God gives me an opportunity to display my tremendous muscular power. Okay, I have a lot of muscle. And the other day, uh, Joyce come to, uh, came to me with a bottle of uh, cooking sauce that she couldn't open. So I try. I try with all my strength with one hand, twist and twist until my face is all red. It just won't open. And then I try with the other hand and I twist and twist. And then wow, suddenly it opened to my surprise. And uh, so I gave it to my wife, uh, thinking that she would be impressed. Uh, I think she was slightly impressed. But for me, I, I, I felt powerful, all right? Uh, but that didn't last long because uh, later on, uh, Sharon came to me uh, with a metal uh, candy box that, uh, she wants me to open. And uh, I try and try, I couldn't open it. And I discovered that uh, my power has left me. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have gotten that haircut. Now. We know that none of us has uh, the power that God has given to Samson. Uh, but the thing is, every one of us are given different kind of power uh, by our Lord. You can even look at babies. As tiny as they are, as powerless as they are, uh, they have power over their parents, don't they? Uh, so there is, a great, there is a great deal of responsibility when it comes to power. Uh, we need to use it carefully uh, because power can be either used for good or for bad. And we see that in Samson's life as we uh, go on today. All right? Now, Samson was powerful. He was given a position of influence as a judge over his people of Israel, and he is the strongest man in the Bible. And I would uh, like to see a battle between Samson and Goliath or a battle between Samson and Mr. Incredible, or battle between Samson and King Kong. Whatever strong figure you have out there, I am pretty sure Samson can beat them. Now all these, maybe, come, may, maybe one day we will see uh, three blockbuster movies uh, someday, right? Until then, uh, let's see what we can learn about the power, the use of power from uh, Samson. And we're going to walk through, uh, we're going to look at the power that deceives, the power that destroys, and I'm going to be spending a little bit more time on this, this topic of power that destroys, and then finally, power that delivers, all right, power that delivers, deceives, destroys, and delivers. So let's begin with uh, power that deceives. Samson probably noticed when he was young that he has some unusual strength. And uh, he might be quite famous and popular among his, uh, his, uh, his peers 
And I can kind of imagine his friends would come to Samson once in a while and say, Samson, show us what you can do. Show us your power again. It's amazing. We haven't seen it before. Show us your stuff, right? And, um, and then, uh, but you know, the, uh, this amazing power and strength that Samson had uh, was not a result of good diet, uh, not a good result of athletic genes, uh, not a result of, of, of uh, strenuous uh, uh, training regime. Uh, it was purely a gift of God. It came from God, and it is, that's all that matters. That's, that's the source that made, uh, 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 made Samson strong. So in the same way, every Christian is also given a gift from our Lord. And we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 4 to 7. Now there are varieties of gift, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So it is important to remember why God gives us the spiritual gift as Christians. It is for the common good. And just as uh, our destiny uh, that we heard last Sunday is not, uh, is not in what we want to do, but what God wants of us, spiritual gifts are also not for glorifying ourselves, but for glorifying our God. So I want, I'm going to talk, talk about uh, three deceptions when it comes to gifts this morning. Deception number one, this gift is for you. It belongs to you. Samson did not acknowledge his strength came from God until the end of his life. Uh, he used this, uh, his gift uh, as if it belonged to him to do whatever he wanted to do. And certainly he was able to do a lot. And as we see, he did more, uh, more harm than good uh, in his life. So as Christians, we must remember that our talents and gifts are from God and it is for God. It is from God and it is for God. So people, I want to ask you then, are you using, what are you using your gift for? Are you hoarding it? Are you using it for the good of others? Now, if you are serving the church, you are using your gift for others. Uh, just like the, uh, the 11 deacons that we, uh, we saw this morning. Uh, they, have, uh, uh, they have agreed to use their time and energy and, and their gift to serve our church. And also like this morning, uh, there are people in this studio that you don't see. And, uh, but they are serving you because without their service this morning, you will not be able to see me or hear me at all. So there are different ways uh, people are gifted to serve the church of Jesus Christ. And so uh, in this uh, pandemic season, sometimes uh, it is harder to serve, uh, less, less uh, opportunities. Uh, but I, nevertheless, I still want to encourage all of you to find ways to serve one another, and uh, you just pray to God. He will show you who you can serve. 
not only those who are in our church, uh, there may be people in your family, there may be people in your neighborhood, and people all around that you can show kindness and love to uh, in, your, in your service to them. And maybe a, a call or a visit to someone uh, that uh, the, the Lord has dropped into your mind uh, could go a long way. Okay? And uh, so, and then finally, if you are not serving formally or informally in this church, then this morning, God is calling you to serve Him with the gift that He has given to you. So would you do that? And secondly, the second deception is that uh, you don't need God. You don't need God. And uh, you don't see, uh, one thing we, we don't see in Samson uh, is, uh, is his prayer and the request for God to give him direction. We hardly ever see him going to God for, for advice or uh, just for clarity unless uh, until, the, until uh, the later part of this uh, chapter today, uh, he asked for water, okay? But he never asked for, uh, for direction and guidance. And he thought he was self-sufficient and he's got everything figured out and he doesn't need God. And this is a danger that uh, many of us can fall into. God has blessed us so much that we can do so much. We are so successful in our lives uh, that we simply don't think there is a need for God. And uh, I want you to remember that uh, God is the one who has given you all those abilities. And God is the one who has put those gifts in your hands for His glory. All the achievement that you have, you have uh, achieved the wonderful things that you have done is not because of you alone. It's because God has blessed you and uh, the gift is for Him and He is a source. He is also the goal of the gift in your life. And finally, you don't need community. Deception number three, you don't need community. Samson, as you can see, is a, was a solo Christian. He had no friends surrounding him. Nobody knew his spiritual walk. And he was accountable to no one. He did whatever he wanted on his own without consulting God, without checking with anyone in his life. He's kind of like the cartoon character, uh, Mr. Incredible. And Samson has the same motto as Mr. Incredible, that I work alone. I work alone. I can do everything by myself. I don't need anyone else. So as a result, Samson was physically strong, but spiritually weak. It will catch up with him eventually. So people, if you are not in the community, you are being deceived that you can do life as a Christian all by yourself, or even all by yourself among your own family. God has made you to be part of a body of Christ so that there will be other people who can support you, who can see things with you, in you, and then you can, you can contribute to the body, all work together. And that is how God has designed us. So people, don't be a solo Christian like Samson. So finally, remember that whatever gifts that God has blessed you with, it is from Him and it is also for Him. So now we are now we're going to move to the second point. 
the power that destroys, the power that destroys. Now, Samson was a dangerous man. He was like a dynamite with a short fuse. One little spark and the, the dynamite explodes and there will be wounded people, that casualty everywhere around him. And we first see his anger problem at the end of chapter 14 uh, at, at his wedding with the Philistine women. And after he lost a gamble, uh, he went to uh, kill a bunch of people and then uh, he left the wedding in anger without consummation, leaving his bride in disgrace. So his, her parents then gave this bride to Samson's uh, Philistine best man. So in chapter 15, we see a trail of damage unleashed from, um, from Samson. And it all started when Samson went back to Timnah to see this woman, uh, and, and uh, intending to consummate with her, and then finding out that she has been given to someone else. Uh, surely, Samson on his trip there was thinking about the sex that he's going to have with this woman. And when he was denied, he was not only disappointed, he decided to do horrible things. So he responded by, uh, by catching 300 foxes and then uh, tying them in pairs and then uh, connecting to the tails, uh, uh, flaming torches, and then sending the, uh, uh, the, the foxes out into the fields of the Philistines and thereby burning the, uh, the, the, the fields and burning the crops uh, in the uh, Philistines. Lots of damage of property and, uh, and, and food and also a cruelty to animals. Now the Philistines obviously retaliated. You can see this back and forth thing uh, just like uh, Kung Fu movies. I kill you, you kill me. I beat you, you beat me. Just back and forth in Samson's life. And um, so the Philistines retaliated by burning the woman and her father. Then Samson took revenge by, uh, uh, by, by viciously slaughtering uh, many uh, Philistines who were responsible for the burning. And then, when he went to hide, and Philistine then sent a thousand warriors to capture him at the city of Lehi. You can see his little marital dispute has now become a threat to, his, to the people, his people in the, in the entire city. And then we see that his own people uh, turn against him. 3,000 men of Judah went to arrest him, to turn him over to the Philistines. And then finally, uh, Samson, when he was handed over to the Philistines, he fought against them and killed a thousand of them. And this is what anger does. It starts small, and then it spreads like wildfire and become uncontrollable. So people, I want to ask you then, this morning, let us examine our own life. Is your power being used to bless or to destroy? We all have power. Is that power being used to bless people or to destroy people? Are you using your anger to get your way? 
just like Samson. He was using his anger to get his way. And we, have all, we all have power over someone. Parents have power over children, and older children have power over their, their, their uh, uh, aging uh, uh, parents, husband and wife, wife and husband, bosses and workers. And uh, when it comes to workers, remember our domestic helpers as well. We have power over someone in our life. And anger we use because it is tempting uh, by give, because it gives us short-term results. You don't get your way, you shout. Suddenly, people will do what you want. You pound the table, suddenly you get their attention, they will, they will, they will do what you want. And during the pandemic season, we noticed that uh, the newspaper had reported a rise in family, family violence. People in the family hurting each other. The target of our anger is usually our loved ones. They are the closest to us, and uh, they are, we are spending more time with them together uh, when, we are, when we are shut in our own home, and uh, there is more tendency of getting into each other's way. And uh, when that happens, sometimes unkind words morph into angry shouts. And the saliva droplets of uh, angry scream can turn into flying objects. And abusive words escalate into physical violence. Lord, forgive us when this happens. And Jesus equates anger to, to murdering in the uh, Sermon of the Mount. And, uh, and this, you can see, it's literally played out in the life of Samson. Now, you might say, I'm not an angry person because I have never done anything like uh, Samson, I don't do damage, I don't throw stuff, I don't hurt people, I certainly haven't killed anyone. But Jesus said that when you call someone, you fool, you are committing murder in your heart. <clears throat> now haven't we all said similar things, you fool, when you are frustrated, when you are irritated, you fool, you stupid, you idiot. What are you thinking about? What kind of person can be like this? From that heart of disdain and a heart of irritation, we commit murder as well. Now, have you noticed, if you have ever been angered, you kind of just lost yourself, that afterwards, you discover that you have fought over the most silly things. You kind of laugh about it afterwards, but at the moment, it was like the most important thing in the world. And anger happens so quickly, and you don't even know why you said those mean things and did those mean things. And this, it is a moment of madness. Anger gives us, takes us into a moment of madness, a moment of insanity. So people, the first step in dealing with anger is admitting that the problem is in us. We are the problem. The problem is in our heart. It is not external to us. It is not somebody else's problem. It is none of those. It has to be, you have to admit that it is in you. Because anger is bad food born from a bad tree growing in the soils of false gods. So we must first go against two lies. 
<coughs> the first lie is justifying our anger. Justifying our anger. We see Samson doing this in Judges 15, verse 3. And Samson said to them, This time I shall be innocent <coughs> in regard to the Philistines when I do harm to them. <coughs> so Samson basically saying that he's going to do harm. He's going to do something bad. <coughs> but he's innocent. So he's justifying it. You deserve it. You have it coming. I'm going to do this. It's not my fault. Okay? And then secondly, uh, blame shifting. Okay? First, the first lie is justifying the anger. The second lie is blame shifting. We see Samson doing this as well in verse 7. And Samson said to them, If this is what you do, I swear I will be avenged on you. It is your problem. It's your fault. It's not my fault. This is what you do. I'm going to do this to you. And uh, <clears throat> you can see blame shifting started in the Garden of Eden, infecting the Samson, and is still well and alive in our hearts today. It's not my fault. It's not me. She did it first. Have you heard that before? I hear this every day in my, in my family, with my, with my kids when they fight. I'm sure all of us do that. It's not my fault. You make me do this. So people reject these two lies and invite God into your heart to deal with the real issue that is happening. Now, we, re, we usually attribute anger to external um, causes, as I mentioned earlier. Sometimes we will say, oh, because I had a bad day or because I'm tired. And women might say, it's, it's that time of the month. It's, I just can't help it. But people, do you know what is really triggering our anger? What is really causing us to turn from an angel to a monster? And there's something else going on. And the book of James has some amazing insight. And some of you, I think most of you, have already read these verses before. And James says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covert and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. So see, James is pinpoints the root of anger to our passions and our desires. And that is the root of every fight that we see in our families and everywhere. And it is not wrong to have passion and desires. However, the words that are being used in, uh, in this text, also uh, some, some uh, translation uses, uh, uses uh, the word lust, and they all are meant to convey a very strong sense of desire, something that you, is greatly important to you. And, and something that, uh, uh, so when we have turned an object into something that is greatly important, some, something that is so important that you cannot do without, something that you must have, something that is, uh, something that is uh, almost a, a matter of life and death, uh, then, then we quarrel, then we fight, then we even murder with our words, and uh, to, to, uh, to do the, 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 the most uh, unthinkable things to each other. And Samson, of course, gives us a real-life illustration of all of these. Now, people, 
when something takes on this level of importance in our lives and exert this kind of control over you that can trigger an, an, a response that you really don't want, that comes out of nowhere, uh, you, that something has become your God. And while you say you worship Jesus, your heart actually worships another God. So at those moments, uh, when, when, when anger takes over, Jesus can wait, but this thing you must have now. So people then, at the bottom of every overreaction, every anger outburst, is your false God detonating an explosion. So therefore, anger is actually an excellent false God detector. It's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful idol detector. Every time that happens to you, there's a false God, there's an idol pulling your strings. So people, don't waste your anger. Let God expose the false God in your heart one by one. And there's something else going on in this anger dynamic. And um, according to uh, David Paulison, uh, formerly an uh, editor and counselor of CCEF, uh, which stands for Christian Counseling and Education Foundation. Um, he writes about uh, an interesting dynamic of anger. <clears throat> he writes that anger is a way of declaring war against a world that seems to have gone wrong. It is a way of, to engage, to take a step at fixing things, though it often makes things worse. It gets rid of problem by using force, though it often backfires. So anger sees things through a lens of justice. There's something wrong about what is going on. So not only we want something, we see that it is, we are, it is wrong for us to be denied. And so we go to war to make things right. We go to war to get what we want, go to war to make things right. So whenever you are angry, people, whether it's an explosion, a milder name-calling, or a silent treatment, pause and ask yourself these questions to search for the idol and the false god in your heart. What were you angry about? What, what was it that you really wanted? What was the thing that you didn't get? And ask the justice questions as well. What's wrong in this situation? And what wrong were you trying to correct? See, wrong, wrong worship causes us to use our power the wrong way. And let me share you with a personal story. I want my kids to be respectful. And when they are disrespectful, I want them to know that it is wrong. So many years ago, when my son, Michael, was about 10 years old, and we got into an argument, and then he said something disrespectful. So I pushed him against the wall to show him that he was wrong and he should never do that again. And he was not afraid, actually. He said something else disrespectful, and that made me angry. So I had a bottle of uh, a water bottle in my hand, and I used it to squirt the water in his face. And... Um, uh, he was not hurt physically, but he was shocked. I think he felt humiliated, 
and he started crying. And I, was, I've, I always think, did he learn the lesson that I was trying to teach him? Of course not. How can he respect me more when my behavior and my treatment of him deserve no respect at all? So people, in that instance, I worship respect and ended up hurting my own son. Wrong worship, wrong use of power. So finally, let's see how we can use power for good. The power that delivers. And we see something quite interesting in uh, Judges uh, 15, verses 11 to 12. Uh, the 3,000, then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Etam, and they said to Samson, Do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is it that you have done to us? And he said to them, As they did to me, so have I done to them. And they said to him, We have come down to bind you, that we may give you into the hands of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not attack me yourselves. There are two interesting observations in these verses. The first one, uh, the, uh, and these two observations are the right use of Samson's power. Okay? The first one is that Samson became weak for the sake of others. Okay? Our use of power will be right when we are willing to become weak for the sake of others. Samson is normally impulsive and violent. But in this instance, he seems surprisingly docile. None of that showed up. There was no confrontation between him and the man of Judah, and he was uh, perfectly willing for them to be tied, him, uh, to be tied up and be delivered to, uh, to their enemy. The only condition that he asked for, swear to me that you will not attack me yourself. Why? Was he afraid of them? Was, he, uh, was the guy, these guys stronger than any other man he has ever seen? No, I don't think so. I think Samson knew that if they get into a fight, bodies will fly and people will die. And so far, all the damages Samson has done has been against the Philistines. He has not harmed any of his own people. Perhaps he remembered his, his mission is to save Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So the invincible Samson chose to become weak and because he cared about the, his people. He cared and concerned for his people. So he become weak and be tied up and be willing to uh, be taken away. So let's become weak by restraining our power to serve the weaker ones in our community. Parents are familiar with this idea when, when you serve your crying baby, you become weak not exerting your power to make the baby do what you want, but rather you serve the baby even though this may not be what you want at that very moment. So Apostle Paul writes about the necessity of weakness for Christians. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardship, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So people, when you are willing to be weak, then you will be strong in Christ. 
The second observation is love sacrificially. Love sacrificially. So even though the man of Judah has turned against Samson, they should be standing on the same side with Samson and say, Samson, these guys are attacking us. With your power, together we can fight and surely we will win. But instead, they turn against Samson and say, Samson, you are the problem. What have you done? And we want to bind you and turn you over to him to solve our problem. They have turned against him. But Samson was still willing uh, for them to, uh, uh, to, to turn him over. And so actually what Samson was doing is that he, by, he was willing to sacrifice himself so that there would not be a military confrontation, so more, so more people would be hurt. And I think the 3,000 men also knew when they went to try to, try to arrest Samson, surely there would be casualty because Samson is very strong, right? They would be expecting, I don't know how many number of people will be hurt or die, but because Samson was willing to sacrifice himself, not one of them are hurt. Samson went willingly. So this is a second way of using our power for good, to love sacrificially. So people, sacrifice when it is inconvenient. Sacrifice when it is costly. Sacrifice for the people who has let you down. Love one another sacrificially so everyone will know that you are a disciple of Christ. So in closing, the way Samson used his power for good points to how Jesus used his supreme power for good. Firstly, Jesus became weak for our sake, born as a helpless baby, trapped in the inferior vessel of human body. Though he is infinitely more powerful than Samson, he emptied himself by taking, form, taking the form of a servant. And secondly, Jesus sacrificed himself for our sake. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. In the end, he was even rejected by his own father. People, Jesus took our place so that he could save us from our sins, including the sins of anger. And this is the ultimate goal of power of love. So church, rather than fighting over all the things of the world, rather than being worried about them, causing anxiety, and allowing all these things to trigger us to murder one another with angry words, let us go to the one who can meet our needs. And that is what God did for Samson. When Samson was delivered to the, to, the, to the Philistines, at least a thousand of them, on his own, he would not be able to survive. But God, the Spirit of God, once again rushed upon him and allowed him to <clears throat> defeat the uh, Philistines and, and saved him. And then after that, he was very thirsty. He prayed, and God answered his prayer and and uh, gave him water. It is God who met Samson's needs time and time again. And it is God who will meet you and my needs time and time again. So God is the one who can meet all our needs. Created things have no ability to do that for us whatsoever. 
So let's go to Jesus for our needs. You need respect? God has adopted you as his children. You are a royalty in the kingdom of God. That is your respect. You need a good future for your children. And God is the only one who can control the future of your children and everything else. Not you, not the, all, all the things that you worry about. Only God. You need financial security. God will provide you like he did, send, like the way he sent manna to his people, to the Israelites day by day. And you need safety and protection from COVID-19. God is your refuge and your fortress. He has given you the eternal shelter in heaven where there is no disease and no death. People, God promises to meet all your needs and God because you are his children. In Romans 8, Romans, Romans 8, verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him gloriously give us all things? Do you believe it? Do you believe God will meet all your needs? Do you believe Christ had died for you? And by that, all the needs that you ever need has already been met? God, people, so let's bow our head and pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast. You can find more of our sermons online on our website at www.agape.org.sg.